Maggie, where'd you go? Uh, so there was another word to the word that I gave you earlier. So I'm just going to finish that because I got it in worship that the Lord said, you know, it, always, it hadn't always been convenient to follow him, but you push back the inconvenience, not only for you to follow him, but for others to follow him. And he recognizes that and he wants to thank you for that. Yeah. So I just had to finish that out. We were prophesying earlier. Um, amen. All right. We just get, I've got so many more notes here today. Um, were y'all here the other week, or maybe some of y'all probably weren't when I told y'all the story about the nurse? Who was here when I was telling that story about the nurse? Okay, so I'm going to tell you the second half of that. So I'll start out. What happened was, back in January, I went to our doctor's office to get my blood drawn, do a whole, like, well check. The physical, the blood drawn, the heart monitor, the, um, the lung capacity. So it's kind of an hour of you, you know, doing all this, and the nurse... When I got there, it's a very small office, and she was sort of a one-man show. Hi, Jack. Oh, so good to see you. Um, she's sort of a one-man show that day, and the other gal hadn't shown up yet, so she's very flustered. She's very flustered, and then she just begins to tell me about how there's so many other things in her life that are just going wrong, and she's getting ready to draw my blood, and I'm feeling very vulnerable, <laughs> and the phone's ringing, and she's trying to answer the phone and you know do the blood, and I'm just like, this is the worst day for me to be here. You know, I don't like getting my blood drawn. And then I heard the Lord say, you know, I want you to pray for her. And I thought, well, I'll just be really sympathetic. You know, yes, I know things are hard. And the Lord just kept pressing, I want you to pray for her. And, and the story kept going on and on, and it just kept getting, the atmosphere kept getting more and more intense, and not better. And finally he said to me, you're not here for this, you're here for her. It's like, okay. And I said, I'm going to call her Mary. Mary, can I pray for you? And she's like, yes. And I was like, no, like right now. And, you know, people are really surprised when you're going to stop and pray right now, and then you're going to pray out loud. So I was like, all right, in the name of Jesus. And, I mean, I just went after it. You can imagine if you know who I am, we just, we just called out, we just broke stuff off, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, afterwards, she's just crying. And she said, no one for 20 years has ever seen me in this office. She goes, you wouldn't realize how rude people are. That they never just stopped to see me. And I, was, and I just continued to pour into the value that she had. And so when I left that day, I'd given her the information here uh, to come to our women's ministry and talked about what I did and and so, maybe it was 10 days ago, I, I go back to get my results. And I, look, I know I'm fine. And so I'm not worried about the results, but I'm so curious to go back and see Mary. And so I go in there, and she's like, hi, Mrs. Kinsel, and her face is all bright. And so we go in the little room where she's getting me ready to visit with the doctor, and um, she goes, that day you came in, it changed my life. She said, I go to church. I haven't been to church in I don't know how long. And she goes, I am filled with so much joy. And she said, you know, nothing has changed, but I've changed. Y'all, you may be the only person that anyone ever has a chance of encountering Jesus Christ through you. You may be the only person that someone out there or someone in your church to encounter him. It may only come through you. I have been living off of that for, for the last 10 days of, wow, Lord, that 
that you would use me, you would, you know, use me to speak that into her. And then he filled her. It wasn't like just a prayer that was like, oh, wow, someone feels sorry for me. It isn't about feeling sorry for people. It's about pouring into them with the strength and the power and the might of Jesus Christ so that he touches them. And they know that they are seen not only by another human, but they are seen by him. And it's about speaking things into their life that no one has cared to speak over them, especially in her situation when it came to her mom. And today I want to talk about encounters because I feel like this is... uh, The whole Bible is set around the rawness of humanity meeting up with the majesty of Jesus Christ. That's the whole story of the Bible that that we're so privileged to, to carry and read is that it's people in the rawness of their humanity encountering God in all of his majesty. But sometimes in our Christian walk, we're so focused on getting educated about Jesus and in, in about getting educated about Jesus. I, if someone asked me, no, I cannot recite all the, the books in the Bible. And it doesn't matter to me. I can't sometimes recall every single address of certain scriptures. But when I speak, I speak because I encountered him. And there isn't anything in this world that can ever argue that. You, when you... Um, are with someone who's encountered Jesus Christ, you can't argue that out of them. The enemy cannot counterfeit an encounter with Jesus Christ. That is the one thing he cannot counterfeit is you encountering Jesus Christ. And it is the one thing that religion and the enemy works really hard to make sure we don't ever do. It scares people. And so today I I really want to demystify that. I think one of the things when I look out in our world today is um, the, the industry of pleasure is the hugest money maker because people want an experience. And by pleasure, I'm not just talking about porn. Porn is a huge money maker. I'm talking about Netflix. I'm talking about Amazon. I'm talking about music. I'm talking about travel. I'm talking about pleasure. The industry of pleasure is a huge money maker because we all want an experience. When we go to the movie, we want to experience something. When we turn on Netflix, we want to experience. When we go and drink alcohol, we want something to change because we want a different experience. When we pop a pill, it's because we want a different experience. Every single thing we're doing is because we want an experience. We're driven by this this seeking of pleasure or this seeking of I need something in my life to change. So I'm going to grab onto this. I'm going to hold onto that. I'm going to be addicted to this. I'm going to chase after that. You know, I'm not saying not all of it's bad. I don't want you to hear me say that. What I, what I want to bring awareness to is how driven by pleasure we are. And it's the whole advertising world knows this. The enemy uses this and things get distorted so quickly. I'm always very careful with uh, whatever I watch on television. I don't really watch that much. But because we are so, our mind, uh, neuroscience has proven that our mind literally cannot tell the difference between what we're seeing on the screen in real life. And so we have to be aware of what's driving us to, one, turn on the TV and watch what we're watching. And is it good for us? Is it going to feed us or is it going to make us feel filthy and sticky and icky and, and maybe not good afterwards? Um, I, I totally believe that it's heaven's desire to, to completely intervene in our life, our everyday life. 
the enemy would, would prefer for you to just sit and be educated about Jesus and just have information about Jesus because he knows that when you encounter him, you become unstoppable. You can't hold down someone who's encountered the real Jesus Christ. And people get really freaked out about this because they think, oh my gosh, well, like, what if that wasn't Jesus? You're going to know when you encounter Jesus. You're going to see him. You're going to feel him. You're going to hear him. Those are the different ways we encounter him. It is God's job to watch over his word. And if anything that you're doing testifies to Jesus Christ is the son of God because we're told to test the spirits, then it is of the Lord. If that's not what the foundation is, then I would be very careful whatever it is you're doing or involved with. It's not testifying to the fact that Jesus Christ is God, Jesus Christ is Lord, then that would be one of those areas where I'd really have to seek prayer on. But um, I really believe that our daily lives are to meet his glory day in and day out. And I think some of the times when I have heard the Lord the loudest have been in my mundane, everyday existence. And just doing the laundry or cleaning the house or... um, Driving. I mean, I hear God so clearly in my car. It's amazing. You know, um, I really believe God absolutely, 100% wants to be involved in our daily lives. But I think there's also this intentionality that we have to take in order to usher that in. You know, a lot of people want to just incorporate Jesus into their life. And Jesus doesn't ask us to be incorporated. He doesn't want to go in and fit your mold. There's a difference between incorporation and intentionality. Intentionality says, Jesus, whatever it is you're doing, I'm in. And it doesn't, any of this other stuff doesn't matter because if you're not in it, I don't want to be a part of it. That's intentionality. Incorporation is, well, Jesus, just come in and maybe I'll put you in this box and that box and I'll do this and I'll do that. And I'll just kind of incorporate him in my life where it's convenient. There will be nothing convenient at times about following Jesus, but it will be Amazing and extraordinary and life-changing. So there's four points that I felt like the Lord really highlighted to me about how to take a posture of intentionality of encountering him. And I want to start in 1 John 1 through 3. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation, so I'm just going to give you all a sec if anybody wants to go there. It doesn't matter if you're not in the Passion, you can the NIV or whatever you have. 1 John 1. John writes, we saw him with our very own eyes. We gazed upon him and heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him, the one who was from the beginning, the living expression of God. The life giver was made visible and we have seen him. We testify to this truth. The eternal life giver lived face to face with the father and has now dawned upon us. So we proclaim to you, what we have seen and heard about this life giver so that we may share and enjoy this life together for truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus, the anointed one. I love how John writes about his encounters with Jesus. The whole reason he's writing this is to stir up in us a desire to want the same. The scriptures are not written so that we can all be like, wow, that was awesome. I so wish that was, could, could happen now. This is a time for us now. This is what John is saying is, is when you're in a place where you're feeling like you're not hearing or seeing or encountering Jesus, then you, 
meditate on a scripture like that. You pull this out and say, Jesus, I want to see you with my very own eyes. I want to gaze upon you and I want to hear you speak. I want, I want my hands to actually touch you. You, the one who was from the beginning, you are the life giver. I want, I want you made visible in my life. That's what this is written here for. Not only to say what has happened, but what will be and what can be for us right now. He seeks for us to desire him. When we gather, just like we're doing today, to glorify God in our conversation, to position our hearts to be touched by him, he shows up. When we worship and we allow worship to be sung over us and tenderize our hearts, he shows up. And we become attentive to his presence. All of a sudden, our hearts are turned to, okay. And that's why, you know, um, sometimes... uh, Maybe we don't think, well, you know, I might just slip in after the worship. I want to tell you the worship is actually the most important part of what we do. It really isn't about what I'm saying. It's about worshiping because what happens is music has this way of transcending all of our logical processes. Music touches us in a way that mere words don't. Music holds our attention and allows us to use our imagination to... um, to think about Jesus, and it, it transports us when we step into worship. Most of the people in the Bible went out of their way to meet Jesus because they had a desire to meet him. If they couldn't get there physically, then someone else brought them to meet him. Their friends would bring them, or they, they called out to him. There was this deep desire in others to meet Jesus Sometimes we, we harbor this fear that, that if we encounter Jesus, you know, he's going to require us to be stripped of all the things that we know and, and give us a jug of water and a Bible and tell us to go live in the desert. You know, we're, we're like afraid that if we encounter him, that's what we're going to do. In fact, I remember before I ever encountered Jesus, the only Jesus-loving people I knew were the ones that rode bikes and handed out Bibles. And I thought, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. But then I was so desperate that I thought, you know what? If that's what it is, like, I will do it. Because I've got to get out from under this depression. And what's fascinating to me is that that's not how God operates. Like, he desires to infuse us, to transform our life right where we are, right where we're planted, with his joy, with his delight, so that not only can he take the internal territory... But then we can turn and take external territory. He, he doesn't ask us to go live in the desert with a jug of water and a Bible. He asks us to be transformed right where we are in our day-to-day activities, to be filled with his joy, to be filled with his light, so that not only are we living and experiencing him, but then we are going around and turning on the light for other people, the pilot light that's sitting in each and every one of us that's just waiting to be ignited. That's what God wants to do in us, and he will capitalize on whatever your personality is. I'll be honest, I never, ever, ever did think I'd be a public speaker. In fact, if you knew me before I encountered Jesus, I would not even get up to use the restroom on a plane because I didn't want people looking at me. I wouldn't use a restroom in a restaurant because I didn't want to have to walk through people and have them stare at me. I don't know how I've ended up here, but I know that God has given me this fearless ability to stand because I know the anointing comes from him. And it's just amazing how God uses these little hidden treasures that have been inside of us all along. And when we encounter him, all of a sudden, all of that is lit up inside of us and we're able to do so much more than we could ever imagine. This is most definitely an all-included life of freedom. No one is denied 
Yet we do deny ourselves the ability to encounter him. With Jesus, we don't turn up empty-handed. There's no letdown. We are actually lifted up. We are expanded. The, The residue of heaven becomes tangible in our lives. Just like John, don't live your whole life. Like he's saying, don't live your whole life without encountering him. We want to live a life like John. We want to be dreaming about him, encountering him, writing about him, sharing about him. We, we want other people to know the good news of what the Lord is doing. I believe that everything in our lives is a set up to set us up to encounter him. I believe everything in our lives is a set up to set us up to encounter him. Everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, the hard. If we start to see that and we desire to be with him no matter what the circumstances are that are surrounding us, you can't hold a person down that has that perspective. You can't defeat someone who's like, you know what, God, whatever this is, this is set up for me to encounter you and I want to encounter you right here in this situation. Hardest to do when we don't feel good, when loved ones are hurting, when things aren't going our way. I understand that, but that is honestly, when you, if you want more power and authority in the gospel, that's the time to do it. That's how you begin to develop authority, is when you take those times of trials and tribulations and you stand in the desire to encounter him and, and what he has to say about that. The way we do this is we go to him in worship, like we've done today. We set aside time for him. We get around people that are experiencing him, and we ask them, how did you develop a lifestyle like that? You talk about that. You talk about Jesus. We have to get rid of this lie that God is far off because he is Jesus now. The, the beauty of the cross, the reason that we celebrate the cross is Jesus can be anywhere, anytime, right now with us. That's the whole beauty, the miracle of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. God is not far off. He's here right now. Um, I think about in the Bible when it talks to the two men on the road to Emmaus. They're they're walking down the road and they're recounting all the things that have happened. They follow Jesus. They are recounting what's happened. I'm sure they're grieving. We don't have the exact words, but it tells us they're recounting what has happened, um, that Jesus has died on the cross. And and they feel very confused because they feel like, wow, he was the one that was going to come and save us. Like he was going to be our savior and, and what's happened. And all of a sudden Jesus appears beside them. Now, they're not allowed to see that it's Jesus just yet, and they begin to walk, and they begin to talk more, and Jesus is asking them what they're talking about, and then he ends up breaking bread with them, and when he breaks bread, all of a sudden their eyes open, and they realize, wow, that's Jesus. And I love what they say, where our heart's not burning within us. Y'all, we are to live with our hearts burning within us, because we spend our time talking about Jesus and the miracles and the life-giving things that he gives. I'd much rather go to lunch and talk about testimonies than spend time gossiping about somebody else or somebody else's problem. That, that is not the life that God has given us. And if we want to encounter him, we have to be intentional about speaking about the things of heaven. Asking God, having that, that dialogue and not just being a, a complaining monologue with him. But having the dialogue of, God, what are you saying about this? This is happening, but what do you say? Or, or getting a hold of testimonies or hanging around people that, that have built up testimonies and asking them, how do you live a lifestyle cultivating that? The second thing I want to point out that the Lord showed me is that the people that encountered Jesus, they allowed God to see into them. They allowed God to see into them. And the way I want to illustrate this is about 
um, I think it was the 15th of February, I drove, I'm from Corpus Christi, it's where I've grown up, and I went down to see my mom, and about four years ago, I'd moved her into a condo, and so we'd gone to dinner that night, and we thought, let's go drive by our old house. Now, I lived in that old house for 45 years, and so it's, it's just right before the sun was setting, so it's dark, lights are on, but there's just that, that, that trace of sunlight still in the sky, and we're driving by the house, and the lights are on. And it was the strangest feeling. You know, it's one thing to drive by a house during the day, but there was something about it being dark and the lights are on and we could see in, but we weren't allowed in. And it brought tears to my eyes. It was very unexpected. I just, I tear, I had this stinging of tears and I thought, wow, how bizarre to be able to peer in to a place that I, that was my life for so long, just an intimate part of my life. But if I were to go to the door, I'd be denied access because I'm a stranger. I wouldn't be allowed, I'm, I'm able to peer in, but I'm not allowed in. And then the Lord began to speak. He said, yes, and that's what people do with me. I'm allowed at the doorstep, but I'm not allowed in. I'm allowed to peer in, but I'm not welcomed in. Uh, Revelations 3.20 uh, says this. It says, Behold, I'm standing at the door, knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me. The urgency here is don't be estranged from Jesus. Don't make Jesus a stranger in your heart. We, if, if we have... Allowed God at the, at the doorstep, allow him in. He's saying, I, I want to come in. The people that encountered Jesus in the Bible, they allowed God to see into them. Soak in his voice. If you don't know what he sounds like, then read the Gospels and read the Gospels over and over and over. Because I'll tell you what, you, you might not have got the first time. You might get something else the second time. The, the layers upon which the Gospels are built, the revelation that the Gospels have about hearing his voice. It's fine-tuning. It's the, the radio, how we tune out the static is that we saturate our mind and our thoughts in the Gospels. And what, what does he sound like? And, and when we're sitting here in worship, we imagine ourselves with him. It's called a sanctified imagination. God gave you an imagination. And it's a sanctified imagination. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a sanctified imagination, which means you have legal right to sit and imagine yourself sitting with Jesus. And when you begin to get in the practice and the habit of doing that, you set yourself up for dreams and visions and words from him. People say, well, I can't hear Jesus or I don't dream about Jesus. Then begin to use your imagination for his good. That's what he gave it to you for. And then you begin to set your, it's like when we do uh, a lot of our inner healing prayers, Sozo, uh, Deborah, you could probably speak to this more, but a lot of it is imagine Jesus before you. I want you to picture Jesus before you. We have legal right to do that. You're not making that up. God is before us. We're now activating our imagination to do exactly what the Lord has told us to do, what John has written about. You know, it's kind of one of those things um, the other day I was talking to uh, my youngest son, who's a sophomore, and as you know, when they're in high school, you've got this, this run to get to college. And so, you know, next year he'll be taking the SAT, and, and he, was, uh, he was like, you know, I I'm never going to use calculus. And he goes, I'm sorry, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous things they make us do, the things they learn, and, you know, it didn't really help when we saw the pediatrician. He's like, ah, the math you learned, you need it in fourth grade. He says, okay, whatever you learn now, <laughs> it, you're not going to use it. 
And then she's like, yeah, even Dr. Hall was like, you know, all the math you need to learn in fourth grade. And I'm like, and I said, I understand, Richard, but what you're doing is you're learning how to learn. You're learning how to learn. And y'all, that same thing applies when we use our imagination. We're learning how to hear him, how to invite him in, how to encounter him. We have grown up in a world that doesn't do that. So now we're in the stage of once we uh, want to encounter Jesus Christ and be intentional about it, we have to unlearn the things of the world by training ourselves how, how to listen, how to hear, how to be in his presence. And one thing I hear all the time is people say, well, you know, I'm just so busy. And this may offend some people, and that's okay. We're all busy. Being busy is not an excuse. Being busy isn't an excuse. We're all busy. <clears throat> Years ago when I'm driving carpool and I'm, I'm still uh, speaking just like I would be today, I remember driving carpool and I would sit there with my notes in my lap as I'm driving the kids in the car and, and talking to God. Yes, yes, you know, I mean... I'm just incorporating it into my regular life. I'm just doing whatever I need to do to get those moments with God. We're all busy. We don't all have time. I mean, just like this weekend, I was sitting there uh, Saturday uh, trying to work on this. And, you know, in our family, the rodeos, everything, our niece rodeos. And so, you know, I have all the kids at home, the the chaos and all the dogs, you know. And I thought, you know, this is just crazy. and, you know, Richard's in there listening to Parks and Rec, and I'm in the dining room trying to work on this. And I thought, well, God, you know, you're just going to have to, like, bypass all that. We're all busy. So that isn't an excuse. It's start taking those moments. Like, when you leave here and you get in your car, just say, Jesus, I want to talk to you. I want to encounter you. Quit letting the busyness dictate uh, mm-hmm. the theme, yeah. the melody, the pace of your life. Mm-hmm. Start letting him into those places. The third thing I want to mention is those that encountered him, they knew their need. They didn't always have the ability to say exactly what they needed, but they knew they were in need. Whether it was emotional or whether it was physical, they knew that their lives had cracks, that had places of lack. And they knew that they didn't have it all together. Now, if I look at the story of the woman at the well, uh, Jesus is there and she's coming in the afternoon to get water, she didn't come to him. She met up with him. And she didn't say, Jesus, I have a need, but he knew exactly what she needed. And when he spoke it, she heard it because her need was something that she was already familiar with. She knew the places in her life that had lack. And so when Jesus came in and spoke, it was the the life and the truth and the wholeness that he spoke into her that, that lit her up to say, wow, not only... Is he able to see into me, but he's able to see exactly what I need. Y'all, there are even things that we don't even know we need, but God knows that. And we, when we desire to meet him, when we allow him to see in, and we know that we have need of him, all of a sudden these pieces and parts that have felt like fragments and have felt like they've been disheveled and pushed around, they begin to get put into place. And they get put into a place... Um, that is so life-giving and freeing, and there's enormous peace that comes with that, that living uh, anxious and worried is foreign to us. And I hope that is the, the, the mindset that you leave here today with, is that I don't want to live with the anxiety, with the worry, or move into manipulating other people, or um, having to tear other people down to make myself feel good, that you begin to realize that there's this freedom and peace that comes with encountering Jesus Christ and that's where you want to live from every single day.
You know, we're, we're taught really, really well in this culture, and especially in our culture, how to cover things up, how to not ask, um, how to remain politely quiet. Because in our culture, especially as women, you aren't supposed to need anything. You're supposed to serve. And you're supposed to serve until you literally are so flat out exhausted and sick all the time because you don't even really know what your needs are. You don't know how to stop and rest and ask him. We can't put our finger on our needs, but we'll just sit there and mask the unease of it. We know what we need to do, but most often we don't even know what we need. We know what we need to do, how to look the part, how to play the part, how to serve. But most often we don't even know what we need. This is the beauty of Jesus Christ. He knows what we need. He knew before people asked him. He knew when they couldn't ask because all they, all they knew was that they had need of him. Here's the, the thing in our culture is, do you feel that you have need of him? Not that you want to incorporate him into your life and just be like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I do this on Sundays, and then you know, maybe I go to that, and then every other day I do whatever. Do you have need of him? When you say yes to that, you live with an intentionality of encountering him on a daily basis. And the heavenly freedom that erupts when we stand before Jesus and admit we don't have it all together. By the way, having it all together is not biblical. He holds all things together. So when you think someone else has it all together, that's a lie that you're believing of comparison that's not true. No one has it all together. He holds all things together. Religion keeps you in a box with, with you know, makeup and hairspray and perfection. And, and Jesus doesn't want you in a box. He wants your heart. And all the rawness that it is, he wants your heart. When I pray for people uh, one-on-one, just like I prayed for the nurse I was talking about, oftentimes during the prayer or after, I'll say, what are you experiencing? What are you feeling right now? And the reason I ask that is not because I need any kind of affirmation. It's because I don't want them to rush past Jesus Christ. And when people come for prayer, they often feel very vulnerable. And so they're just like, okay, 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 good. Because their, their vulnerability is making them feel very exposed. And if I don't stop and say, what are you experiencing right now? They're going to rush past Jesus Christ and they're going to miss the encounter. When I, when I ask them that and I ask Mary, she's like, I, I feel light. I feel light. I feel like something has been lifted off. I feel, she goes, I, what is that? I said, that's Jesus Christ. See, we don't pause enough to tell people, you're encountering him right now. That isn't anything that Ashley said. That isn't because, you know, this word sounded really good with that word and, and that came out really eloquently. That has nothing to do with our humanity. When we pray and we feel the peace and the lightness, or maybe it's joy, whatever it is, that's Jesus Christ. And when you teach people how to begin to encounter and experience them, then they are not only filled, but they're hungry for more, and they're hungry for more for not only for themselves, but for their families and for others. And they go after more of him. The fourth thing I want to mention is they took Jesus at his word. When he spoke, it settled their hearts. 
If you go to uh, John 8, I love, love, love this verse. I think this is really powerful. I'm in the Passion, and if you're in like the NIV, it's going to say it a little differently. But in this verse, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish leaders. They are, they are very, um, they don't want an encounter. They, they want to shut him down with their words. They are, they want to just keep people uh, educated. They don't want anyone to encounter Jesus anymore. So they are, they are going to try to just shut him down. And this is what Jesus says to them in John 8, verse 54. He says, Jesus answered them, if I were to tell you how great I am, it would mean nothing. But my father is the one who will prove it and will glorify me. See, they're trying to wear him down with their words, but he is the word. So good luck with that. And by prove, what he's saying is to make it tangible. My father's going to demonstrate to you all who I am. God will back up his word. In other words, he's saying if all you know, Jesus would say to us, if all you know is how great I am because someone's told you about it, or because you've been educated to learn about how powerful and great I am, ask me. Because I want to prove my word to you. This Jesus right here is setting us up to encounter him. If you haven't experienced me, if, if you're not hearing me, seeing me, or feeling me, and, and, and all you know is what people have said about me, ask me. Because I want to encounter you just as much. I think God wants to have an encounter with us so much more than we ever do with him. I think we're the ones that take the step back and kind of go, ugh. What's this going to do? How is this going to change me? What's this going to look like? Because I'm really married to this, this, and that. And I don't know if I, want, if I have to give that up. And, and we get in this whole place of sort of confusion, so we just compartmentalize. Because we're really good at compartmentalizing. It's just so much easier to be like, the Jesus box, the da-da-da-da, and not really totally full out be intentional about him. But Jesus is saying, look, we're not supposed to live puffed up on our opinions and our knowledge. We are to live built on his love and his touch. The other, last week I was um, flying out to Midland and I, and it was a God assignment. I was speaking there and I got from San Antonio. My flight was delayed about 30 minutes and I had a very tight connection in Houston. And I was like, you know, God, you're the one that set this up. If you want me there, then you're going to have to make all this work. And I refused to get anxious or worry about it. And I had the ladies that are putting on this event or texting me. And I'm like, you know, yeah, I'm late to little C. And so we, we land in Houston. And my flight leaves at 145. And I think we landed at uh, 135. And, of course, I'm kind of midway back in the plane. Everyone is taking their sweet time getting off. <laughs> ah, you know, and I'm thinking, how nice would it have been if they had said, you know, if, if you don't have a, a tight connection to stay seated, let everyone, but, you know, they didn't. And I thought, you know what, God, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. God, this is your assignment. You wanted me here. You're going to have to make this work. I'm landing in gate 27. My connection's at gate 51. <laughs> And then I began to think about, like, John Paul Jackson and Bob Jones, these awesome prophets that recently passed away, and the story about how they have about being transported when they were late at an airport one time. And I was like, you know, if you want to transport me, that could work. I'm game for that. So I get off, and um, I just, luckily I had all my little New Balance tennis shoes, and I'm, like, hustling through there, and I'm just not going to, I refuse to get anxious. I was like, God, you're going to have to back up your word. 
I'm ask, asking right now that you prove, that you demonstrate, that you make it tangible, that you were wanting me to speak at this event in Midland tonight because I said yes because you told me to. So I get to my gate. There's like nobody there except this one little man. And he goes, Ashley? And I said, yeah. And it's 1.45. I go, yes. He goes, we're wait- we've been waiting on you. And I was like, oh, wow, God, you're so amazing. And, of course, I get on the plane. What's my biggest fear? And I have to drop, go all the way to the back. It's totally packed. And everyone's so irritated. They're like, oh, okay, this is the whole reason we're late because of you. But, I mean, I'm just smiling the whole way down the aisle. I'm like, wow, if y'all even knew what could happen. But, you know, I'm not afraid to ask God to prove his word to me because that's just how good he is. If you ask him, he will back up his word he shows up to touch us. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus became flesh. He dwells among us. It is my responsibility. It is my response that I'm able to give to make sure he has a place to dwell. And I want that to be in me. And I want that to be in you. And I want that to be in every living person on this earth. That we, our response, that we give is that we make sure We give him a place to dwell. It's not about grabbing hold of a concept so that I can regurgitate it. It's about cultivating a lifestyle so I can continually live in union, fellowship, and experience with him. The word of God, the Lord said this to me the other day. I was like, wow. This is one of those sentences I I really, I could unpack this. He said, the word of God is skin to your spirit man. You want to build up your spirit man. You get in the word. The word of God is skin to your spirit man. Last one I'm going to read is is from 1 Peter 12, um, verse 14. Where am I? He says, As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better, when you didn't know Him. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says, You are to be holy because I am holy. Live each day with holy awe and reverence toward the Lord. I believe that we are entering a season right now this year of more and more people encountering Jesus Christ. And I think those that are stuck in religion in the church are going to say, it's going to offend them and they're going to say, how could they know that? I've been in church all my life. And the Lord said, well, maybe that's the problem. They've been in church versus being in him. Maybe that's the problem is we're so uh, worried about our church membership that we are not even living in him. We are to become a location for God's demonstration of his glorification. We are to become the location for God's demonstration of his glorification. I want to close out uh, reading a very specific scripture. And the reason I chose this and the reason I chose for Anne to read Psalm 91 is about five days ago I had a dream. And in this dream I uh, was with a, a, a friend who I don't talk to often. But what the friend is representing is uh, someone who's never encountered Jesus and is absolutely married to religion. Has no experience. Would not, um, like, if this friend came and sat here, it might scare her. This would be really, really foreign. Y'all, we really take for granted how well we all hear the voice of the Lord or we're desiring to hear the voice of the Lord. A lot of people don't. But the Lord gave her two very specific books in the Bible of scripture to read. Two chapters, excuse me, not books. Two chapters. And one of them was Psalm 91. 
The other is Isaiah 35, which I'm going to read. And both of these are all about encountering him. What happens when you encounter God? You will sing in the shadow of the Almighty. It doesn't matter what snare the enemy lays before your life. You, it, you will not get caught. Others may perish. You will not. That's what Isaiah 35 is about, the highway to holiness. And that, when I, I mean, I, it was one of those dreams that... I, I kept repeating them to myself in my sleep all night long because I didn't want to forget. I was like half awake, half, half asleep, and I kept saying Psalm 91, Isaiah 35, Isaiah 35. And um, I did text her when I woke up because I said, hey, uh, the Lord's put you in a dream, and, and he gave you these very specific chapters. But then the Lord said, you know, this is about everyone. This is strategic. So your, your homework which I don't normally encourage, but I'm going to encourage it, is to meditate on these Psalm 91 and Isaiah 35 and begin to put your name into these. So Isaiah 35 sounds like this. The wilderness and dry land will be joyously glad. This is not um, literal. It can be, but it's not literal. What he's saying is metaphorically, we all have a wilderness, we all have a dry land. And what he's saying is when you're in your wilderness, when you're coming into your dry land, it will become joyously glad. The desert will blossom like a rose and rejoice. Every dry and barren place, every dry and barren place in you and in your life will burst forth with abundant blossoms, dancing and spinning with delight. Lebanon's lush splendor covers it, the magnificent beauty of Carmel and Sharon. My people will see the awesome glory of Yahweh, the beautiful grandeur of our God. Strengthen those who feel discouraged. Energize those who feel defeated. Say to the anxious and the fearful, be strong and never afraid. Look, here comes your God. He's breaking through to give you victory. He comes to avenge your enemies. With divine retribution, he comes to save you. The blind eyes will open and deaf ears will hear. You are going to see and hear him after today. If you haven't before, I am so totally convinced. And if you are, and I'm still reading this, but I have to say this. If you are worried about that, I want to pray for you. I don't want you to leave here and not ever feel like you've heard or felt the touch of the Lord. I just want to set that right now. Then the lame will leap like the playful deer, and the tongue-tied will sing songs of triumph. Gushing water will spring up in the wilderness, and streams will flow through the desert. The burning sand will become a refreshing oasis. You feel like you're in a place where you're just getting burned, like one bad thing after another. I'm telling you what. He is turning it into a refreshing oasis. How he does that, I don't know, but I know that he does. The parched ground, bubbling springs, and the dragon's lair, a meadow, with grass, reeds, and papyrus, there will be a highway of holiness called the sacred way. The impure will not be permitted on this road, but it will be accessible to God's people, and not even fools will lose their way. The lion will not be found there. No wild beast will travel on it. They will not be found there, but the redeemed will find a pathway on it. God's ransomed ones will return with glee to Zion. They will enter with a song of rejoicing and be crowned with everlasting joy. Ecstatic joy will overwhelm them. Weariness and grief will disappear. So I want to pray over you. If you're willing, put your hand on your heart. Lord, I just thank you right now that you are setting us up. Every single person, not only in this room, but the others that are listening to this, I thank you that you are setting us up to encounter you. I thank you that you are depositing a deep desire in every single one of us to desire you, to allow you, God, to see into us. I thank you, Father God, that we are not going to be double-minded about your word, but we are going to take you at your word. 
I thank you, Father God, that um, you have changed our trajectory today. That we are going to walk out of here fully expectant, God. And if there is anything that has kept us and held us back from encountering you, Lord, I ask right now that you would remove that. That you would completely wash that out of our lives. I thank you for these very specific scriptures that you've given to us, Psalm 91, Isaiah 35, that we are to be meditating on these. We are to be declaring that this is for us today, right now. That we are not to go another minute, another hour, not believing that we can't encounter you. And I thank you, Father God, that, that not only are we going to encounter you, but our families will. I thank you that we are going to begin to dream dreams about you. That we are going to get visions and strategies, Father God. I thank you that today is a day of sending us out in fullness of glory and expectation and joy. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. If you want prayer, I'm going to be praying and Deborah is praying. I have a breath mint. Don't worry. Um, Deborah has, and Katie, are you praying? And Anne? Yes. Okay. There's four of us praying up here, so we would love to pray for you. God bless you, and we will see you next week.